I am, I'm excited about speaking this morning. First service uh, went great and felt like God was using me, but you never know like what's going to happen the second service. So here's what happened. Um, first service, I get a text from my wife that, that our, our dog had three seizures. He's been having seizures for the last month. I think this is 16 in the last 27 or 28 days. And um, earlier this week, my um, sister, there's some serious things going on with her. She ended up in the hospital. My grandmother um, had a stroke this week. So we come to Sunday morning, right? And there's heaviness on us. There's things that we're going through. But here's what I know is God is unlimited in his power. God is unlimited in his resources. And God has something for us this morning. He wants to speak into your life in a very specific way. I don't know how he's going to speak in, but my, my challenge for you today is, is to hear from God's word, listen for something that he has specifically for you. Let me, let me tell you, one of the things that we do with our, our kids, mainly at Christmas time, is a scavenger hunt. Anybody do scavenger hunts with their kids? Yeah. When you get that first clue, basically you have everything you need to make it to the end right? Uh, the last one we did for him, we had a little Mario coin that came with the switch. And I'm like, oh, this will be what they find, right? And I threw the Mario coin, not in the baptism, into the pool, um, right? Um, threw it into the pool and um, they went through all the clues. And then at the end, when one of them had to like dig it out, they're like, oh, it's a Mario coin. I, oh, the switch, right? And they, it was like that aha moment of, of what their um, Christmas present was. God has some aha moments for you this morning. And I want to look at this first place that we're going to look at is in 2 Peter 1.3. So 2 Peter 1.3 says this. It says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. So when we look at a verse like this, it starts out with his. Who are we talking about? God, the King of Kings, right? The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator, the God that is the great I am, the one that's for us, right? It is his divine power. So it's not something we muster up or we go, you know what? I really need to work on this, right? No, it's God's divine power that we need to tap into, right? And so this, this morning at the end, I want to talk to how do we access God's power? But at the beginning of the message, I want to look at what is God's power, right? And what, what's his divine power do? It has given us what? Everything. Not like some, everything. Not part everything we need. This is God saying, I'm pushing it all in. I'm going all in. I am for you. I'm giving you everything you need for what? A godly life. Do you want to have a godly marriage? Do you want to be a godly man or woman at work? Do you want to be um, godly um, in terms of your um, being a father or a um, a mother, right? Wh whatever your situations you find yourself in, if you want a godly life, you want to be a godly person, this is how it's done. It's done through his divine power that gives us a godly life. So it's these things here, right? And it happens through our knowledge of him. So we have to grow in our knowledge of him. We have to get to know him better, right? Every day, you have to get to know him better. Some of us are just like, I was talking to um, Pastor Ron before uh, or at the end of first service, and he was just talking about how some people just think it's about being good. 
But Jesus says that uh, in the end, some people will come to him and say, look, I was a good person. Didn't I do all these good things? And Jesus will say, I never knew you, right? As God wants to be in that intimate relationship with us. So it's through our knowledge of him who's called us, right? Some of us want to be called. Guess what? God has called each one of us. He's called us what? To be a part of his team, right? He says, look, you're not an outsider. You're not on the fringes. You're part of my team. Here at Sanctuary, there's a lot of people that serve in make, getting this here to the front stage, putting the carpet in. My wife and I, our kids, we put this carpet in at times. Um, we didn't do it to, um, this week, just so you guys know. There's only so many things I could do. Um, so um, handling family situations, handling um, life uh, speaking, doing all those things that we, we have, but there's places for us to serve, to be a part of what God's called us. He's also said he wants you to be a part of his family, right? When you follow Christ, you become a part of his family. There will never be a greater title that you get, doesn't matter what job you serve in, than being a child of God. That is the best title you could ever receive. You have access to the King of Kings, right? So he's called you by his own glory and goodness. God wants you to be a part. He wants you to have a godly life, right? So how does this godly life happens? happen? It happens first by us realizing the power that God has, his unlimited power that works in and through us. So I want to look at three areas of his power, okay? By the way, I know some of you are like fill in the note. I put notes out there. I only did one fill in the blank. I wanted to make it easy this morning. One. You know, Rod has like 90 and I'm like, okay, Rod, slow down. Slow down. You know, and I'm always looking over at a neighbor like, what did he put down? Can you pass that over here? Let me copy your answers. So just one this morning. So you could just relax. We'll get there. It's not yet. Okay. So God's uh, God's power is matchless in creation. Okay, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We don't know how vast the universe is, but they have some crazy pictures. If you ever have a chance to get online and look at some of the pictures of the universe, or there's these big books that have like these massive pictures that like the Hubble telescope and different places have taken, right? And you get these beautiful images of like God saying, hey, I'm pretty big, right? And, and you're just... You're, you're small. But look, uh, let, let's look at our bodies for a second, right? If we look at our bodies, it says if you um, can unravel the DNA, right? We all have DNA in our body. Um, it would span 34 billion miles, reaching like to Pluto and back and then back again, go back for six times. Like that's how much DNA just one person has in their body. This is an actual picture of DNA, right? Is can you imagine if somebody just like, you know, took all their DNA and put it out? It's massive. And God's trying to say, look, I'm a big God. I could handle whatever situation you find yourself in today. Doesn't matter how big, how small your issues are, your problems are, your struggles are. God is there. And he's trying to show us through his creation. Like, hey, I, I've created big things, small things, but I'm here for you. Right? This is how big the sun is. The sun is so big that you could squeeze 1.3 billion earths inside of it. So I don't know if you could see this picture here, but that's our little tiny earth down there where the arrow is. 
and then drop that into the sun. And the sun's not even like the biggest star we know of. There's bigger stars out there, right? Look up Beetlejuice, not the movie. Um, That star's like even more massive, right? And so God's trying to say, look, I'm huge. You might be small, but I'm your father. Listen to me. Follow me. Trust me. Let's look at this. Um, It says, there might be as many as three sextillion stars in the universe. They, they say might be, scientists say there might be, because it keeps growing. The number keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Every time they bi- build a bigger telescope, they go, ah, we didn't know there's more out there, right? They, it just keeps getting bigger. Um, not because it's getting bigger, because we, we don't have enough equipment to figure out how big this universe is that God created, right? So if you were to take... Uh, the the stars in the universe. It would be three followed by 23 zeros. That's more stars that we know about than there are grains of sand on the earth. Isn't that crazy? Like if you were to go out there and count the stars, if you had a billion years, you couldn't get to the end of it. Like it's, it's a huge number that God's created. Listen to this. This is by Sam Storms. It says, God can do all he wills and does but need not do all he can and does not. That is to say God's infinite power is not manifested in the works of creation, but, or is manifested in the works of creation, but isn't exhausted by them. God could have created more than he has, if he so pleased. What God has done, therefore, is no measure of what he could have done or can do. God's bigger than we could ever imagine. What he's done is just a small thing. He's like, oh, let me do this in six days. Boom, it's done, right? Is God can do infinitely more than all we could imagine. I think part of eternity is just going to be like, wow, there's something new. Oh God, we didn't know that about you. Oh man, you created something new. Like God will just keep surprising us over and over again. So that's God's matchless power in creation. What about in miracles? This is another way that we see God's power. Daniel in the lion's den, right? Reminds us that God has the power over a situation that looks like it's going to be the end. This is going to be the end of his life. But God does what? He has the power to save. And so he saves Daniel in the lion's den, right? Um, Another one, um, parting the Red Sea. I love this, right? God just says, let's open up the sea. Let's have the Israelites go through and then we'll destroy the Egyptians um, in the process, right? It's God has the power to deliver you from whatever situation you find yourself in. Raising up Lazarus, right? It's God has the power to raise the dead. Our problem as humanity isn't that we, we have like sin or we have a sickness. Our problem is that we are dead. The Bible doesn't say like you've got this little sickness and you just need Jesus to be your cure. No, no, no. The problem is that we are dead. So Jesus needs to come in and make us alive. That's what baptism's about, right? Is we're dying to our old self and we're rising anew. So we need to say, yes, I, w- I need to get baptized today so that you, you could make public your faith. Any other stories in the Bible? This is a real question uh, for, for you guys of, of miracles in the Bible. Samson's strength. Yeah, that's a, a good one. Uh, and, you know, in the last moments of his life, you know, his last prayer is like, God, give me the strength one more time, right? It's God is our strength, gives us um, his power. Any other um, stories in the Bible of miracles? 
W- one more time. Water from the stone, yeah, um, that God could provide even in, um, in the middle of a desert for, I forget how many people were in the desert at that point, but it's a lot of people in the desert. And he goes, ah, yeah, I could provide. Um, I think of the 5,000 or the 4,000 um, that were fed, um, fed and God could provide for our needs. What are those stories? Yeah, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Um, reminds us that dead doesn't define us. God gets to define us, come in, breathe new life into us. What else? Feed in the 5,000, what? The virgin birth. Yeah, there's uh, the, the miracle of um, God coming, the incarnation, and then he calls us to be his hands and his feet. There's one other. I, I, when he stopped the sun, that's so epic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's days I want to stop the sun, you know, but it's not happening. But God has the power to, like, you know what? You guys need to fight longer. Let's stop the sun. I'll listen to that prayer. Is God hears our prayers, right? Even a ridiculous prayer like that, it's like, ah, I'll answer that. You know, and uh, God hears our prayers, no matter how crazy, how small, God hears our prayers. All right. So these are examples of the miracles, all of them to say this. In Mark 10, 27, Jesus says, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God, right? As we look at our situation and we just go, I don't see any way out. God always knows the way out. He always provides a way out, right? God does the impossible still today. We even seeing um, Garrett and Kay and Maley here is like just an example of like miracles. And I, I just, I love, if you don't know them, get to know them, get to know their, their baby, their story, and see that God's still doing miracles today in and through his children. All right. So um, this is what, how David Platt put it, is he said, nothing is impossible for the people of God who trust in the power of God to accomplish the will of God. Let me say that again. Nothing is impossible for the people of God who trust in the power of God to accomplish the will of God. God wants to do his will through you, happens through his power, but we've, we have to trust. We have to say, you know what, God, I trust that you're going to work in and through this situation. One of the ones that was brought up for service is um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're thrown into the fiery furnace, right? And they said, what? Even, our God will save us, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow down to your gods, right? Is we don't get to choose the outcome. We get to choose how we are going to respond. Are we going to be faithful followers of Christ in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the fire, Right? Are we going to follow him no matter what? Or are we just going to be like, oh, that, that's going to be a compromise here, oh, a compromise here, a compromise here? Or are we going to say, no, God could choose to do the impossible in and through me. But even if he doesn't, I'm not going to um, stop following him or believing in him or trusting in him. So God's matchless power in the resurrection, right, is 
God does an incredible work in and through the resurrection. There's no denying like the incredible fact that he, he rose again, right? And then he says he has given us that same power that was at work in him is now at work in us, right? And so this is a, a picture of those who trust in Jesus, right? It says that it's foolishness. Uh, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So this little illustration here, this cartoon says, you're crazy. I don't see how that's going to save you, right? He can't see what's underneath, right? In your situation, when you're holding on to God, you have no idea how God's going to carry you through, what God's really doing in that situation. You just hang on to him, hold on tight, and he's going to carry you through. 1 Corinthians 6.14 says, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. God raises up his people by his power out of darkness into light, from death to life. That's what God wants to do in and through us. So God's power is at work in us. So we've looked at these things of like kind of great power, great, great Bible stories. But what about God's power in us? Is God still working in us? In Ephesians 3, 16, it says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. There's a lot in this verse, but think about this. Some of us how many of you guys have unlimited finances? How many struggling financially, right? It's like finances. It's like, oh, how are we going to pay bills this month? How's it going to happen? Look, God never is short. He's not like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. I, I, I don't know if I have that. He has unlimited resources that we could access as we are connecting to him. He wants to empower us, right, in our inner spirit through his spirit. But sometimes we're, we're like, you know what, I've got this. I could just do this on my own. I don't need God. Or maybe you're in a relationship with, with God, but it's like, you know, a little bit more over here, but it's more about what I could do. And it, it's like this. If you think you could do it on your own, that's what your unlimited power looks like, right? It's like, I've got this. Um, that's going nowhere, right? Is we have to plug into the source, right? John 15, 5 says that we could do nothing without him, right? Nothing, not a little bit, nothing. So we plug into him because he's the source of everything. Philippians 2, 13 says this. It says, for it is God who works in you. So he's working in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose, right? God wants to fulfill good things in and through you. But it takes us every day surrendering. Say, God, I can't make it on my own. I can't just plug into my own resources, try to do this on my own. I'm going to plug into you. I'm going to depend on you. I'm going to trust in you. And God's going to walk with you. We, sometimes we want to run ahead of God, or we want to like be way back here and like, God, you do whatever you want. But it's this, this partnership where God's like, I want to use you and I want to work in and through you and my power will work through you. But you have to trust in me that I will transform you. My, my wife and I, we've been married 22 years and um, she gave me this ring 22 years ago. Uh, so, uh, and inside of it, I can't read that anymore, uh, but <laughs> I'll have to work on my eyesight. This is Danny, with all my love forever, Kim, right? So 22 years ago, 
she, she decided, you know what, I'm going to get married to this guy. If she was to meet, uh, meet me now with the woman she is and meet me then, she'd just be like, forget that. You know? uh, but there's, there's no way. Uh, but she's seen how God's transformed my life. At that point, when she met me, I was 18, she was 17. We didn't get married then. Uh, but I had only been a believer for a year, right? She's seen how God has transformed me, how God's made me into something that I couldn't possibly accomplish on my own, right? Is God's transforming us, making us into something new. This is the way J.I. Packer put it. He said, look, it's our high privilege and calling, wait, Let me read that again. Our high and privileged calling is to do the will of God in the power of God for the glory of God. This is what we are called to do. Do the will of God in the power of God for the glory of God. Some of us are trying to build a name for ourselves in the the story of the Tower of Babel is God destroyed the, the Tower of Babel because why? They were building a name for themselves, right? This isn't about building your Facebook or your Twitter, or your Snapchat, or whatever you're on to see how many likes and stuff. It is for God's glory, not so that people could be impressed by what we're doing, right? His will isn't about, oh, look, I'm serving somebody today. Let me get a picture with this guy. Hold on, get up, dude. Uh, all right, uh, right? It's, it's, it's about his glory, him getting the honor, not us, right? So, We do the will of God through his power at work in us for his glory. Philippians 1.6 said, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That God wants to bring you to completion, right? So don't give up, right? A friend of mine, John, he went in uh, 2012, he went through this massive life transformation, Right, where he was like, I'm done, I'm depressed, I'm, I'm over my old life. And so he started a journey for three years. And then he became a new man. I mean, obviously, you know, you just need three years and you could do this too. Um, so uh, all joking aside for a second, is life transformation, right, is It looks vastly different when we start following Christ because his power gives us the ability to forgive. I didn't think when my biological father, um, he had done some horrendous things, ended up in jail. As a 10-year-old, 12-year-old, 13, 14, 15, I was angry, upset, dealing with abandonment issues. But at 17, when I gave my life to Christ, through him, he gave me the power to forgive. Eventually, he gave me the, the power to reconcile with the man who had hurt me the most without ever saying a word, right? I don't know what your situation is, but I know God wants to transform you to be more and more like him. Okay. So how do we access God's power? How do we access his power? Here's the danger, I think, when I, when I begin to answer this question, is I think sometimes we could go, oh, yeah, 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 I know that. But there's a vast difference between knowing something and doing something, right? I know that pizza is probably not the best thing to put into my body, but I do it at least once a week, you know? Like, I want to be commit to that. Uh, you know, my family, we have Friday night pre- pizza night, right? And we, well, we'll have pizza Good news is I'm not there for all the pizza nights. Um, so, so I missed some of those. But, um, 
right, is sometimes we know something, but we're not putting into action. So this first one of immersing yourself in God's word, right? You could go, oh yeah, yeah, I I know that if I read God's word, that's going to help. But it's going to transform you. This is the primary way that God has revealed himself that if you're like, well, I want to know what to do. Read God's word. Start there, right? Let him speak to you through his word. One of the things I did when I first started following Christ is I didn't read for like distance. I didn't just go like, okay, let me read through the book of John is I read until God spoke to me. So I'd read and sometimes it'd be like one, two, three lines. And then I'd highlight it. I'd just be like, wow, that is huge. And I just hang with that. Other times I'd read for distance and I'd go, okay, I want to, I want to read the book of John. And I would set out to read the book of John and really try to see how God's speaking to me through that book or whatever the the book was. Here's my my challenge for you this morning is this. In in terms of immersing yourself in God's word is I want to give you a 30-day challenge, 30-day challenge by the end of May, basically, to read the New Testament. I've given this challenge hundreds, I don't know about hundreds of times, probably hundreds of times, uh, to junior high, high school, college students, adults. uh, And I've had plenty of seventh grade boys that are like, I don't read. And they're like, you know what though? I'm going to commit to reading God's word. And they do, right? You could do it, right? It's a choice. It means saying no to other things. But let's say you're like, I can't even begin to wrap my mind around. I'm not here to put an, an extra burden on you with God's word. Maybe you pick a book, right? Maybe the book of John. Maybe you're like, that's just too big. The book of John, let's go for the book of Philippians. It has four chapters, one a week. Do something that's more than what you're doing now, right? So that you begin to immerse yourself in God's word. So that when somebody pokes you, what you bleed is God's word. This is what what Jesus says, right? Out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So when you get poked, if Jesus, is, his word is um, infiltrating you, it's penetrating you, it's part of you, then when you speak, you're going to speak forgiveness and grace and truth and love instead of the old life of anger and wrath and joylessness and fear, right? This is 1 Timothy. It's a little bit longer, but hang with me. It says, I, I command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example, how? In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And by the way, I don't think this is just for youth. I think this is saying um, we kind of expect that our adults would be this, but that's not true. Um, Adults have poor speech, poor conduct, poor love, poor faith, poor impurity, right? This is what we're all called to is um, to set an example for others in speech, conduct, in love, and faith, and purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture. This is one of the things that on an ongoing basis we will continue to do at Sanctuary is to publicly read God's Word, right? Is we are going to immerse ourselves in God's Word on a Sunday morning, right? So, but we're publicly reading God's Word um, to... Uh, to exhortation, to teaching, do not neglect the gift. To, um, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Here we go. Practice these things. So practice what? Having speech, having conduct, reading God's word, not neglecting your gifts 
right? So part of immersing ourselves, right, is practicing these things. And then it says, immerse yourselves in them so that you may see your progress. Do you want to have progress in the faith? Do you want to move forward? As Pastor Rod puts it, move the ball up the field, right? If we're going to move the ball up the field, it happens as you immerse yourself in God's word. Let me give you a picture of this. Right? I turn vegetables into bacon. I mean, what's your superpower? Love it, right? Uh, so that's a great superpower to have. I, I don't know how you got that superpower, but I love bacon. So thank you for doing that, Piggy. Okay, so what, what our superpower is, right, is we take in God's word as you take in God's word and you breathe out, you live out your life, it's going to be vastly different because your life is going to reflect God's heart. You're going to begin to care about what he cares about. You're going to be, begin to pray in a way that he would have you pray. Not a, a selfish prayer, but a selfless prayer. One that brings glory to him and honor to him. So let me ask a question. This is going to be our, our one thing that we fill in. So if you guys have been waiting, the one thing you're going to fill in, do the work of God, which is to, right? I love asking this question, what is the work of God according to Jesus, right? And I'm going to have somebody look it up in a second, Google it and see what this is. But if you had to guess without Googling it, what's the work of God according to Jesus? To love one another, another, okay? Something very specific that Jesus says. That's his command he gives to us um, to love one another. Um, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love one another as yourself. Anybody? Spread his word, yes. Uh, uh, Four times, yeah, we're um, told to go into all the world. Um, Yes. Uh, Anybody else? Has somebody looked it up? Look up the work of God. Um, Look up, like, I haven't Googled this, so I I don't know if it's going to pop up. So... Google, the work of God is what, according to Jesus? Somebody will get it. The work of God is to believe. Yes. So John 6, 29 says, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. So if you, if you have your little fill in the, the pan, right, is you could put believe. The work of God is to believe. Why would Jesus say the work of God is to believe? Because it's difficult right? If, if you have any question about that, read the Sermon on the Mount. See how you're doing, right? See, see how you're doing it, loving others, loving your enemies, forgiving those around you, right? Is, do we um, have the capacity? Yes, but not on our own. It's through his power that's at work in us so that he gives us the power to believe in the things that might seem impossible for us to believe in the flesh, but God wants to do the impossible in and through us. So, so what do we do? We need to pray earnestly, right? So we're reading God's word. Uh, we pray earnestly. This is what James 5.16 says. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's... Here's one of, here's a whole different challenge for you. And it it might just be for men. I think women might have an easier time with this. But for men, sometimes we could bottle things up. We could be closed off. We could only share a little bit, right? 
This is something I started doing at 19 years old when I first got an accountability partner is I started to confess my sins to another brother in Christ. And guess what? I experienced this verse where it says that you may be healed is I started to be healed from old patterns, old thoughts, old ideas, old ways I define myself, right? If you want to experience healing, start by confessing your sins to somebody. This isn't like metaphorical, right? Seriously confess, it will bring healing. So here's, here's some of the, the beauty of God's word and his scripture is you could say, God, I want to experience healing and you could pray as earnestly as you want, but if you don't obey his word, it's not going to happen, right? He says, confess to one another. Well, I, I've gone to God and I've confessed to him. Okay, that's great. That's part of what he calls us to do as well. But there is something about going to another brother or sister that is broken like yourself and saying, I need to let you know something. This has been going on and I've been trying to hide it. But would you pray for me? Would you ask that God would forgive me? Would you ask that I'd be healed and forgiven and free? And God will begin that process of transforming you in that area that you were keeping secret. Because secrets will kill you, okay? Secrets, this, this is Satan's plan, is to isolate you so that you feel like you're the only one where God's like, no, we're a part of his family. We're broken together. We're in this together. We're following and stumbling forward together. We're not doing this on our own. We're part of his team. The last thing is this is we need to take action. We could talk all day long about God's word, about putting it into practice, but if you don't do it, if you just hear God's word every Sunday, you come, you're faithful here every Sunday, God's not concerned about your attendance. He's concerned about your heart. He didn't die so that you could show up here on a Sunday and go, look, God, I made it, right? He could care less about that. He cares about your heart. He's passionate about you. He's all in on you. He wants to be in a relationship with you, right? I talked to Pastor Ron earlier, and he was saying that uh, the, this, the idea of us being good, right? It falls short. It falls short. We've got to know him. We can't just be like, I want to be good for God. No, God wants you to be known by him and for you to know him intimately, that you're connected, that you're plugged into him. Matthew 7, 24 says, Jesus says this, therefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I want you to be like that wise man, but I can't force you. Basically, because there's speakers here, pretty much everybody's gonna hear what I've said. You might tune out for a little bit, but off and on, you might hear it, right? But the next part of this, it's all on you. You've got to put it into practice. You've got to make decisions. Am I going to live this out? Or am I just going to pretend? Am I just going to play a game? Or am I going to say, you know what? God's put himself all in for us. Am I going to be all in for him? Let's pray. God, I thank you that there are so many people here that truly are all in for you. And there's a group that's going to get baptized this morning. And maybe even some out there that are thinking about getting baptized right now. And they're like, you know what? I am going to get baptized. 
Lord, I pray that, Lord, wherever we are in our journey, Lord, that we would make one more step in that right direction. We'd make one more step to live it out. We'd make one more step of putting your word into practice. Lord, I pray that we would stop pretending that we have it all together and start being real with our brothers and sisters that are close to us. Lord, that we would confess to one another so that we could experience healing, freedom, and grace. God, I pray that your unlimited power would help us to become the people that you've designed us to be. In Jesus' name.